I'll say this. I hate when I have slow internet and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one low monthly fee. Uh, I know that When I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or heritagedigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, September 1st, folks. Three days away from South Carolina kicking off its uh, 2021 football season. Uh, against Eastern Illinois, start of the Shane Beamer era. Gamecocks and Panthers uh, kick it off 7 p.m. Uh, on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, okay, so I've been confused about this because I've heard different things from different people that should know and all that. Uh, so apparently, if, if you have the SEC network for your cable provider, all you have to do is download the ESPN app and stream it through that. You should have access to it. That's the latest I've been told. Kind of wish USC would uh, release something to tell you folks about it, but um, that's, uh, I mean, it's all good. You know, I, I, That's the latest I've got on that. Be sure to verify uh, that, though. I mean, I'm not sitting here claiming to be, you know, an expert on everybody's cable situation, where things are available, that kind of thing. So, I uh, I wanted to be clear about that. Uh, also, you know, I, I try in the openings, and thanks to Heritage Digital, by the way, for sponsoring the quote-unquote news and notes segment uh, here. Um, I'm trying not to, you know, if you notice, guys, like, and I used to be on the radio in Columbia, too, you know, you, the intro, whenever we get close to football season, it's time. Oh, my God, we are three days away. It's da, 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 da. The cadence is kind of the same. Um, trying to get away from that here on the inside of the game guys podcast. I like to be unique and different and special. So, so special. Uh, and then uh, all that red says he's sorry for drinking the turtle water the other day. Uh, the turtle's name is Lizzie. So he apologized. I made him apologize to Lizzie as well. And he better be careful. Lizzie's going to bite his snout off, but got some big feedback on that one. Um, all right. So first things first, uh, Gamecocks released the depth chart 
got to discuss the depth chart, right? You got to make sure we uh, go through it. Um, not just going to read it, going to kind of break it down and tell you some interesting things. Uh, it, it's on Twitter. It's on the big spur.com uh, for free. You don't have to be a member. So go check it out. Uh, if you want to read it, it's so the big news, obviously uh, Zeb Nolan is starting at quarterback. We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. Uh, heard from two different people that watched some scrimmages that said Nolan was clearly the guy and these were not coaches. These were outside. So, you know, I'm not a trust the coaches guy, but I'm going to defend I'm going to defend uh, decisions that coaches make um, when there's misinformation. And there's a lot of this whole thing, Jason Brown, Luke Doty, Zeb, no, there's been a plethora of misinformation uh, out there about it. Um, and it sucks because it doesn't do Jason Brown any favors. Uh, it doesn't do Luke Doty any favors. It doesn't do the team any favors. It doesn't do Zeb Nolan any favors. Um, but Nolan was clearly the guy, and he did it in two weeks. Now, you say that's an indictment on Brown, but remember, you know, Brown was behind in spring, had to get his body right. Uh, I've heard he's done some good things. He's done everything right. He's a competitor. We we probably haven't heard the last of Jason Brown, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I think there's a role for him on the football team. Um, you know, he said he's going to play early. Beamer's going to put him in. Beamer kind of clarified that in the press conference yesterday. He said, well, if he has good practices and stuff like that, we'll find a spot. And I think a lot of it is going to depend on how the game is going. Um, and that could be good or bad. It could be good or bad when we see Jason Brown. Uh, but I expect he'll play, and I think he'll play pretty well. You know, I think he's got – uh, some tools, uh, uh, you know, and all that. It's just an adjustment coming from FCS. Now, Zeb, you say, well, Zeb Nolan's coming from FCS. Yeah, but he was also a quarterback in the Big 12 Power 5 level. And he also played for the best absolute FCS program in North Dakota State out there. There are concerns. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I am not concerned uh, about Zeb Nolan getting the start, especially if it goes after this weekend. I, you know, I think when you look at his career and – I've watched a lot of tape on him. Something was off at North Dakota State last year, like bad off. You know, uh, you compare it to what he did at Iowa State, and he was a much more polished passer, that kind of thing. Uh, sparked the team a little better. A lot of incompletions and turnovers uh, at North Dakota State. That may have been, you know, partly could have been their system he didn't like, partly because it's a spring season and COVID, and there are a lot of guys that – played in the spring at the FCS level that just, you know, weren't as good as they thought. It was a really a surprise season. If you look at kind of the play, how it unfolded. Um, and obviously Zeb Nolan can't make the mistakes he's made when they get into any kind of game with competition, maybe even Saturday night uh, and throw interceptions and, uh, you know, in, you know, throw balls incomplete and that kind of thing. Um, and he hadn't been doing that in practice. So there's the good news. The bad news is they hadn't played a game and it's a game. And, you know, the last couple of times Zeb Nolan's played in football games, things haven't gone too well. So he's got to turn that around. Uh, and, you know, I, if it's based on practice, it looks like he will, but you know, you have to do it. I don't, I don't want you guys to think I'm unconcerned. Um, as far as that position goes, the best thing that could happen to the Gamecocks is Luke Doty gets back next week against East Carolina. Everything falls into place. Uh, and, and they kind of continue with what uh, 
the idea has been for a long time. I mean, you know, I, you get on the misinformation train a little bit, and, you know, people that gripe and complain about the two and a half games last year, Doty played and then the spring game and then think Jason Brown, you know, somehow, you know, had passed him or was better. You know, look, if I'm, if I'm sitting there evaluating like I did for 15 years and I'm, I'm, you know, watching guys at a Nike camp throw the ball against air or, you know, in, in seven on seven or, or one-on-ones. I mean, I, I, Jason Brown looks like he did in the spring game, which uh, by the way, folks, that has not been his performance consistently uh, in practice. He's done well and he's, he's, he's improved and, and, and really done well. But, you know, those of you that are out there thinking it's just because Nolan knows the playbook better, that's not true. Jason Brown knows the playbook fine. Uh, it was a performance thing. Uh, Nolan moved the team better. And it wasn't just because, oh, go run this complicated play and then, you know, Brown's not going to be able to run it. So, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily mental. I mean, I think that's where the uh, the misinformation comes from, you know, and it's just because people looked at the spring game or whatever. You know, that was never going to happen. There's a reason Luke Doty uh, was named the starting quarterback after the spring. There's a reason that he continued to hold on to that spot before he got hurt. Uh, and there's a reason that nobody inside the program whatsoever uh, that had any kind of knowledge. And, and if somebody that is connected to the program said this, they are in the distant minority uh, and probably should quit talking just to be honest with you, because it's not, I guess it's not fair to Jason Brown. Um, it, it wasn't close. You know, Brown had improved. He closed the gap. He ended up getting the second. He passed Colton Gauthier and Connor Jordan because he was fourth in the spring. Uh, and that's how it, what his improvement put him in a position for. Uh, and then Zeb ends up, you know, taking it once he gets uh, activated and all that. Um I think it's great if Jason Brown plays. I'm pulling for him. Like I said, I like the kid a lot. I don't think we've heard the last of him. You know, if he continues to improve and improve and improve, you know, there's no telling what could happen. I mean, football, you watch college football, pro football, whenever, you know, this is it's not uncommon for somebody that's down the depth chart to end up rising. Uh, I think a lot of the fans out there, because of the frustrations of the last 27 games that South Carolina refused to like even acknowledge people can improve. Uh, and I get that. Um, so there's some just dumb takes, uh, you know, there's some takes on the big spur. I don't want to insult any posters or members that, that are ridiculous, but uh, the worst place ever is Gamecock Facebook. It's worse than Gamecock Twitter. Gamecock Twitter is like an emotional kind of wave and stuff. You know, there, there was literally a post today that compared Beamer to Brad Scott uh, said that starting Nolan is going to scare off recruits uh, and, and that, you know, it wasn't fair to everybody else on the roster that he's going to be started. Uh, you know, of course, there's the Colin Hill comparisons, which are just stupid. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say, if you compare Zeb Nolan to Colin Hill, uh, just don't talk. And, and sit back and watch the game because you need to learn a few things uh, about it. Uh, now, could Zeb Nolan go out there and have a bad performance like Colin did last year? Absolutely. But they're, they're obviously 
not the same. And I, and I think a lot of frustration with watching Colin Hill last year was, you know, number one, he lost all faith in his receivers. And at that point, everything just went to crap with him. Um, I still don't think considering the situation at receiver and the playmakers on the team last year, that his first two, three, even four games were, uh, you know, those two losses at the beginning of the year weren't on him. Um, and then they won two, and then things started to fall apart gradually. I, I, I absolutely. I think, I think part of, of, you know, those of you out there that, you know, just groaned every time Hill came out there, uh, I think part of it is this. This offense this year, like the idea – okay, so just let me back up. The idea last season was, okay, there's no receivers. Uh, it's a COVID year. we got to get the ball to – you know, things are weird anyway – uh, the quarterback that was supposed to be the starter regressed um, and got beat out. And those of you that believe the conspiracy theory that, you know, Bobo was never going to start anybody but Colin Hill, that's wrong. I mean, I'm, I'll tell you that's a lie. Okay. Uh, he got beat out. And, you know, so they got, so, so, so what do you do? What do you do? Well, you play, you run the ball and play ball control. You got a good offensive line. I don't think they realized what they had in Kevin Harris until Kevin Harris became Kevin Harris. But you had Harris and Fenwick and, you know, uh, Muse from time to time. And, you know, quite frankly, that offense should have been a lot worse than it was. Uh, and you drive the ball down the field because the idea last year going in was they're going to be good on defense. Well, then they sucked on defense. Awful. And so then what do you do? You know, <laughs> An offense with one receiver and a tight end and a really good running back and a, a pretty good backup in Fenwick, um, you know, that that the offense was better than a, a defense last year with multiple NFL players, which is crazy. But that was the plan then. And Colin Hill is a very methodical quarterback. And when those guys aren't playing well or they're getting sacked or they're throwing picks or guys are dropping passes – or they're just, you know, or they're making mistakes, that can drive you crazy because it's like watching a slowdown, like Princeton-style basketball or Virginian basketball, use college basketball reference, when they're not shooting well, making shots, doing anything. And you're like, please, for the love of God, this is like watching Patra. Okay? So I get it. I think that, the must-champ hate, the – the change, the, the the disappointment, the losses, that all fed into this, you know, Colin Hill thing. But I'm here to tell you that Zeb Nolan is a com completely different style of quarterback uh, than Colin Hill. He, he's a guy that's uh, going to get the ball out quick. Uh, he's got good, better feet. He's more mobile. I'm not saying he's a runner. People here running, you know, mobile quarterback, blah, 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 blah. So he's not slow. Uh, running the ball, or at least not, he's not unathletic. I don't know that he's going to win a lot of foot races, but uh, he's arguably just as uh, mobile as Jason Brown, and Jason Brown's relatively mobile now that he's lost the weight. Uh, quick release, he'll fire it down the field. Um, his issues are different than Colin's. I think Colin last year was way too cautious at times, and that, you know, had some nervous throws. Zeb's going to fire it, you know. Um, and, uh, and that's the difference. Plus this offense, the plan going into this season, and I don't know where everybody kind of, what everybody thought, you know, oh, they're just going to line up and run it and melt clock 
no, this, this offense under Marcus Satterfield has a lot of tempo elements. Uh, you know, there's, and then there's this other talk because Brown mentioned about the huddle the other couple weeks ago that he was, that was different because he was no huddling. And, and so everybody's trying to pin the huddle thing on, on that's why they know it's about production. It's not about huddling folks. Uh, South Carolina has different tempos. They have huddle, they have no huddle, they have medium tempo. Uh, Steve Spurrier had that as well. Uh, so those of you that think South Carolina is just going to line it up and try to take eight minutes off the clock like they did last year, that's different. And, uh, and I mentioned the other day, there are a lot more potential playmakers on this offense than there was last year. Yes, Kevin Harris returns, but Juju McDowell wasn't here last year. Marshawn Lloyd was hurt last year. Zaquandre White kept fumbling the ball last year. He's fixed that. Jaheim Bell was hurt and had one catch last year. EJ Jenkins was not here. Nick Muse returns. Uh, you know, Jalen Brooks, DeCarian Joyner, and Josh Van were here, but those three guys have improved. Amarian Brown was not here. You know, so there, there's there's some guys that, quite frankly, you know, weren't on the field last season. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, those of you that think it's going to be three yards in the cloud of dust again or that they're going to struggle in the passing game, maybe. Maybe. I'm not making any guarantees, but – you know, on paper, you, you can't just dismiss it. Um, and, and so I think you're going to like, you know, good, bad, or indifferent the way Nolan plays a lot more than you liked Hill just because, you know, when, when you're struggling and you're going slow, it's frustrating. You know, it's very frustrating, especially last year when you look and you see everybody else going up and down the field on everybody. So I get it. I totally get it. Uh, so that's quarterbacks. Um you know, the running back position is four oars with white listed first, Lloyd, McDowell, and then Harris. I, you know, a lot of people, you know, and, and opinions are split on this about Kevin Harris. Should he play or not against Eastern Illinois? Um, I mean, you know, if he goes out there and re-aggravates his back injury, people are going to second guess Beamer, and that's part of it. But I think he play him. Because uh, he hadn't been hit, hadn't had live contact probably since the Kentucky. It, it definitely hadn't had contact since the Kentucky game last year, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe in the spring, I'm not sure. Um, and you, you, you don't need him going out, taking his first carries against Georgia, uh, and Adam Anderson lights him up and he fumbles, and then you know all of a sudden. You know, or, or or he throws it up in there, or, or you know, fumbles it in there, gets picked off. Sorry, he's not going to throw it, obviously. Uh, and uh, the red coat marching band's playing "Glory, Glory," and, and you're down seven nothing after you got the ball, and that's going to make for a long day. Uh, so I think the next two weeks, you know, I, I I don't know that he's in shape to go carry it 25 times, but I think five, six, something like that this week, 10, 12 next week that kind of thing with Kevin Harris. So I anticipate he's going to get some carries and good, man. You know, he's the, he's raring to go. He's the leading returning rusher in the sec. If he has another huge year and statistically, uh, unless the Gamecocks are just like one of the best rushing offenses in college football, um, he's probably not going to get to 1100 plus this season. Cause there's carries that have to go around. You're not going to, you know, you, you need Marshawn Lloyd and white and McDowell and those guys. But, um, you know, he, he's ready to go, and he has a chance if he has another really good year to go, go to the NFL, uh, which is great for him. He's a hardworking guy. 
you know, and um, this could be a, a big year. Uh, and, and so he's got to get ready, like I said, because you don't want, you know, you don't want him out there having not played and doing that. So that, so I thought that was interesting. I, I kind of think Carolina early, early on Saturday night, you'll, you'll see two backs in the game at the time, maybe two tight ends. Um, beat Muse and Bell and Jenkins. You know, Jenkins, they're going to bring him back kind of slowly. Um, if, if he hadn't had the issue he had, I would say, boy, look out for this guy Saturday night. But they may try to ease him back in. I think Bell is obviously going to be a good playmaker. Uh, I mentioned the receivers. You got Jalen Brooks, then backed up by Xavier Leggett. You got Takari and Joyner, backed up by Amari and Brown. Josh Fan, and then behind him is Jakari Caldwell or or Trey Smith. Uh, starting starting offensive line is just as it was: Turnantine, Nichols, Douglas, Gwynn, Wanham. Three Charlotte guys right there in the middle of the offensive line. That's interesting. Um, defense: uh, Aaron Sterling starting it in. Jordan Birch backing him up. Um, as I, I said this a couple of days, I, I'm not going to have very much tolerance this year uh, if. Sterling, uh, who's 6'2", 250, but, but really strong. And then Jabari Ellis are getting blown off the ball. I, I don't know that they necessarily did last year. Sterling didn't play a, a lot last year. He was injured like many. Uh, Ellis played, and when you focused on him, he did well and hel- held his own. But, man, you got Jordan Birch behind Aaron Sterling, and you got Tonka Hemingway, who's a, a dramatically undervalued player in terms of attention and hype not many people talking about him but he's really good uh if you had those two guys behind them you know sterling and ellis better play well and i think they will zach pickens uh backed up by boogie huntley uh at the buck you have jj and Igbare, and 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 people don't get freaked out by the, the term buck this isn't must champs defense uh there are similarities in certain deals but uh you know uh, this is a different defense. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and then Jordan Strong's backing him up. That's very, you know, you got to, an, and, and, and I'll talk about the defensive line. Those of you that, you know, love, love the star ratings and, you, you, you know, all that, you base everything on that. And that's fine. I mean, I'm, star ratings are important as well. Uh, and then, you, you know, the, there's star ratings, there's a star rating people, and then there's the proven players people. And what I found is it's basically, it boils down to those that are disgusted and frustrated by the program to an irrational point to where nothing is important or nothing works. So there's no positivity or the people that, you know, have an optimistic outlook because they like to be more higher and they're impressed with what he's done. Um, the positive folks outnumber the, the the negative folks and it's not just positive and negative you know sometimes the positive people will have negative takes negative will have positive from time to time uh but the more extreme element of all this is the you know handful of folks that just hate everything um you know and like i said earlier today about the quarterback situation you had a comparison of shane beamer to brad scott before he's ever coached a game um and it was because of the quarterback deal. He's like, he's another Brad Scott. And I'm like, well, Brad Scott's quarterbacks were Steve Tannehill and Anthony Wright. Now, when Wright got hurt, they started Victor Penn. 
Anybody think Victor Penn or, or Zeb Nolan? Um, those of you that were around in the 90s, tell me after Saturday night, Victor Penn or Zeb Nolan. And then watch Nolan throw three picks and get benched, and I get a bunch of emails that say Victor Penn to inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Um, but, but, but for those of you like that, check this out. So at one end, Aaron Sterling, nine and a half career sacks, super senior, veteran SEC player, high three-star guy, Under Armour All-American, and had an offer from Alabama early where he was committed. So decorated recruit, proven player. Behind him is Jordan Birch. You know about him, second highest rated recruit in school history, five-star guy, uh, had a probably struggled with the COVID stuff last year more than people want to let on. Um, but he's he's the backup, but he's gonna play a ton. Jabari Ellis, another super senior starting at D tackle. Uh previous staff really liked him, new staff loves him. Uh, undersized, as I said, backed up by Taka Hemingway, a four-star prospect, a top 200 prospect in the country. Um, everybody dropped Taka Hemingway in recruiting rankings-wise and, and ignored the fact that, you know, he was a three-sport star uh, and never really lifted weights. Now he's 6'3", 300, and, and really good. And You know what? I was guilty of, of – the Hemingway thing, because I uh, back when I was evaluating for rival, I dropped Junior Hemingway because uh, he ran four seven or something like that. And he goes to Michigan, had a style of career and played in the NFL. Uh, all right, so then you got Zach Pickens, five star guy, one of the highest rated recruits in school history, really coming into his own. Has had a fantastic all season, backed up by Boogie Huntley, who's a freshman but a four star top two hundred prospect at the Buck. The other end, you have JJ Enigbarwe. It was a four star player. All SEC selection last year. Gamecocks beat Georgia on him in recruiting. And then behind him, Jordan Strawn, who transfers in from Georgia State, who gained 25 pounds of muscle, uh, who was led the nation in FBS in sacks last season. That is not only a productive group, but a decorated group as well. So everybody in that group is either a very decorated recruit or a productive player already proven uh, at the high at the college level. So for those of you that want either stars or proven players, there you go. Look at the defensive front, our defensive end, our defensive line. Uh, the nickel, this was a surprise. David Spalding, a surprise in terms of my initial expectations. You know, Spalding didn't play a whole lot at Georgia Southern last year, um, was a backup. They They recruited him and landed him pretty quick. They love his length and size, 6'1", 195, but he's been holding down that nickel spot since spring, backed up by Carlin's Platel, another transfer from Assumption. So you got two portal guys at the nickel. I think also you're going to see Jamar Brown some there uh, as soon as he's back to 100%, and I think he's, he's getting there. Um, linebackers, uh, Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson are starting. Uh, Green is now on and, – and like I said, the defenses are similar – but not exact. So I don't know the Mike linebacker in this system, if it's different or not, but he's at the Mike and he's played in the old system. He played Will and Sam uh, backed up by Damani Staley. I think Damani to be a, a Mike linebacker gives you 10 plays a game. He's fine, but right on Damani's heels is Debo Williams, the freshman from Delaware. Now I'm, I'm looking really curious to see how this kid progresses. 
Um, and he's an or so Staley or Williams and Brad Johnson at, at will, uh, and Brad's, you know, the, the wills an inside backer spot, uh, backed up by Mo Caba, who had a really good preseason four-star guy. The game guys got out of North Carolina, uh, needed to be healthy for an extended period of time and perform. And that's what he's done in the preseason or Daryl Ware, who was a walk on who got some snaps last year out of Fort Dorchester, uh, who they really like. They like Ware. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play. Okay. Uh, corner. As we move into the secondary, Marcella style starting, no surprise backed up by Orlando product, Dominic Hill, uh, other corner Darius rush or cam Smith, cam Smith, is back per Beamer. Uh, and then Darius Rush, kind of a journeyman, all that good stuff. He's he's back. He'll he'll he may start if Smith's not 100 percent That's an or too. Uh interesting about the safeties. And and uh, you know, I've Torian Gray's done this a long time. Uh, but you got a Jalen, you got a uh, you got an or at strong safety. You got Jalen Dickerson or RJ Roderick. Uh, RJ got banged up toward the end of camp. Jalen Dickerson, knock on wood, has been making a lot of plays. I still think he's going to be kind of on a pitch count just because of his health. Behind him, Jamar Brown. And then at free, Jalen Foster starting. Tyrese Ross is behind him. But closing, Ross listed six foot, 200 pounds. Will knock you into next Tuesday, from what I'm told. Transfer in from Washington State. Uh, you know, so so look. When when I look at the the defense, you know, as far as the nickel goes, like I said, I Spalding was a surprise. Uh, Platel, I think that's what he is. We'll see if Jamar Brown can get back there. He's also Jamar is also at strong safety. Um, not surprised about Dial. Not surprised about Rush. Not surprised about Smith. And Hill's been the guy that that's been competing with those guys from the beginning. Uh, and then you got. Uh, Foster starting, uh, former walk-on, Burns product, struggled last year. Will have to He'll have to raise his level of play, I, I think, to keep the job. But he's got it right now. Then Ross, like I mentioned, coming in from Washington State. So that's your depth chart. Sort of overview with me. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's a good deal. You know, it, it, not a lot of surprises and on paper when you really look at that defensive line and the offensive line, you know, it, it's it's not hype, in my opinion. There are tangible reasons uh, to be optimistic about those groups, the running backs, the tight ends, uh, you name it. Obviously, there's, uh, you know, I would say that my concerns coming into the season remain safety on defense, wide receiver on offense. Uh, slightly more optimistic about those two groups, but I, I need to see it. You know, I mean, if Jalen Brooks can have a big year, shoot, he's big enough, fast enough, talented enough. And Joyner has a good year and Van can really step up, you know, and then you got those other guys, Brown, Leggett, Fortray Smith, Jakari Caldwell. Whoever, I mean, that, that's a win, in my opinion, because then you still have the tight ends that can catch the backs, all that good stuff. Uh, and then defensively, it has to be safety. I know, I know some of you are worried about run, uh, linebacker, and believe me, the linebacker play last year was terrible outside of Ernest Jones. But, you know, the two guys starting were hurt. 
You know, nobody, nobody keeps that in, in account. You know, some of these guys are back and healthy. Uh, you know, Mo Caba was a, a young guy coming off an ACL. Daryl Ware was a walk-on. Debo Williams was not there. You know, Damani Staley's limited. So I have more hope about linebacker than I did. I was, I'd still say, you know, slightly more optimistic. Uh, but wide receiver and safety are the two biggest concerns. Um, and I could see a scenario where if you get Jalen Dickerson, R.J. Roderick, Tyrese Ross, and, you know, assuming Foster is who people thought he was, um, I, you know, those three guys going to battle, throw Jamar Brown in there. If he's, you know, that that starts to look a little more optimistic than maybe – What's been back there in the past? Is a lot of those guys, you know, Dickerson can run, Ross can run. Dickerson and Ross will hit you. Roderick will hit you. Um, I've always loved Jamar Brown when he's been healthy. Uh, but there's there's not a lot of depth. I mean, O'Donnell Fortune is back there, and O'Donnell is a guy that probably could make a move, but uh, as the season goes along, but you know, it, 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 safety's the bigger concern. Now, again. When you talk about concerns, when you talk about depth chart, when you talk about players, until the games kick off, people, it's just about who's going to be the better player for the Gamecocks when they step on the field. It doesn't guarantee wins. It doesn't mean some of these guys won't get embarrassed uh, by great players in this league. Uh, it doesn't mean that the, the, the offensive line is never going to give up a sack because it's, uh, it's not going to happen, all that good stuff. Uh, it just means, yeah, who's going to do the playing, who could possibly come in and do the play. You know, as far as, you know, the other teams go, you got to get a look at them. And, you know, you can compare on paper. And on paper right now, South Carolina's got, you know, some games they're going to be massive underdogs in, uh, some swing games where they'll probably be evenly matched. And then some games they should win. It's probably 4-4-4 four, 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 if you really were honest about the schedule. Uh, but we'll get into all that later. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's just one of those things. Shane Beamer said Zeb Nolan is not like Uncle Reno or Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Throw it over them hills. Uh, so that's that's the deal there. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, I thought you know in, in a recent episode, I think Eastern Illinois is better than people think, um, or thought, or better than I thought after watching them. There's still a massive, massive. Size advantage, speed advantage, athleticism advantage that the Gamecocks are going to enjoy uh, Saturday night. And that's not always going to be the case this year, folks. You know, it's the SEC. You know, but as far as an overwhelming talent advantage, Gamecocks definitely have that. All right. It is time for my favorite segment of the podcast. Uh, the um, I Help Consulting Mailbag. And I am always fired up to get to this all right just now i want to thank i help consulting if you're a business owner you're always looking to save time and save money that's where i help consulting can help i help is a gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses that's right save money on expenses whether you think you may be paying too much for credit card processing internet service uh, if you're paying too much for internet service, depending on, I, I think what they're talking about here is like, you know, Charter or Comcast or name your cable provider. Uh, 
but if you're paying too much for your uh, IT services with your business, uh, Heritage Digital can help iHelp Consulting save you money. So there you go. Synergies, man, synergies. Uh, or insurance for your folks or anything else, uh, you know, that's iHelp. They can help your business with the most savings without sacrificing quality. And also, they guarantee this. If they can't help your business save any money, if you, you've already done a good job of managing those costs, uh then you don't pay them anything. Also, another concept or, or core value of iHelp is they don't sacrifice quality. They're not going to sit there and go, all right, well, your people uh, had this decent insurance, but we're going to save you 30 bucks a month on the premium. Uh, but uh, the copay is going up to 75 bucks. The deductible is going up to 1500 No, that doesn't happen. They don't sacrifice quality. Uh, and again, you don't pay them if they can't save you anything. So call or text my friend Daniel Owens, iHelp, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, iHelp Consulting. How can I help you? And please, 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 when you contact Daniel, tell him that I heard about you on the Inside the Game Talks podcast. So the iHelp Consulting mailbag, there is always two ways to get into the iHelp Consulting mailbag. And the first way is you um, tweet at us, tweet, tweet, tweet at us and uh, go to at the big spur pod. I'm sorry. I got distracted. Whenever the, the awkward pause there um, is, uh, is like, I'm pulling up tweet deck and I, you know, I see 15 things and get, uh distracted and so um that's why i'm pausing here i see a baby picture of john del bianco who left the big spur.com today it was yesterday was his last day uh gonna replace him with somebody fantastic i'm sure uh but okay so tweet at us and you follow the twitter account at the big spur pod um and then you tweet at us and that's good and i want you to follow that and i want you to follow the Instagram account is at Inside the Gamecocks. Got a pretty good bit of followers there. Um, and so here are the tweets. And then there's a second way via email to get into it. So, all right. This comes in from Phil. The Big Spur Pod for the stars is all that matters crowd of the fan base that are ironically start Jason Brown because of two throws. Yeah, I don't know that those folks are always one and the same, but, you know, there's some stuff there. Uh, uh, because the two throws, even though Do- Doty was a top 100 recruit, recruit uh, so he sent this. He's like, this graphic proves your point 1,000 times over that football's a developmental game. It is. Now, you know, the teams that have won national championships always have four- and five-star recruits, and that's that's a fact. But it's also skewed because, you know, when you're talking about the blue chip report, because you're talking about a very narrow group of teams. And so, so, so explain this to me. I, I want to know this. How, like, okay, when you compare year to year, um, let's take Clemson, for example. Uh, how many guys since Clemson broke f- through in 2015, you know, don't get the, get the benefit of the doubt? Uh, to go to four stars if Clemson is offered. Uh, And and honestly, 
With Clemson, I don't necessarily see it. With Alabama, I see it quite a bit, but I think it's well-deserved because when you're evaluating, you look and you you go back to Saban's 2008 class, you know, Marcel Darius was a three-star, that kind of thing. You know, the the big kid from Juco, the Mount Cody, Terrence Cody, three-star Juco kid. And you're like, I made a huge mistake, you know, so you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. And if you take about the number of uh, players they put in the NFL, uh, Bama, 51% of their five stars go and get drafted. The number's 21% everywhere else. Um, you know, and, and I don't necessarily know that Cle- – because Clemson signed a lot of three stars a couple of classes ago, and all, a lot of those guys are going to go to the NFL, et cetera. So I don't know if Clemson's applicable. Unfortunately, Clemson's the only program that's broken free. But they won that first one with about a 50.8, 51.8% blue chip ratio, just over half the roster. And if you look at who actually was playing, nobody wants to do that. They just look at the stars and go, bruh. Um, a lot of guys that were not that highly rated. Not They were not five stars uh, by any stretch. So out of high school, but they ended up being great players. All right, so – you know, and he goes through top 10 players in the NFL uh, and their recruiting rankings. Number one is Patrick Mahomes, three-star. Number two, Aaron Donald, three-star. Number three, Aaron Rodgers was a no-star out of high school, but a three-star out of JUCO when he went to Cal. Number four is Derrick Henry, the freak of all freaks, five-star. Number five, Travis Kelsey, two-star, went to Cincinnati. Number six, Devontae Adams, two-star. Number seven, Tom Brady was not ranked. Number eight, Nuke Hopkins from Clemson, who I had to fight to keep at a 90, which is the lowest four-star 24-7 sports, because it's some Trombone combine he had run like 4-8. Uh, so people were wanting to dock him for that. And I was like, I don't really care because he's very – I saw him play basketball, very athletic – Kept him there, and he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Uh, T.J. Watt was a three-star at number nine. And then number 10, Josh Allen, who uh, is the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, who went to Wyoming, was a three-star guy. So, Nuke Hopkins was a low, low four-star. Derrick Henry was a five. And according to Fox, they were the top – they're the top – 10 players in the NFL top 100. Um, are you sure they, that's the top, those are the top 10. Yeah. Okay. So, and I don't know, you know, you could NFL fans, you could debate this all you want, but I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, and look, do you need four and five star talent? Absolutely. The, the, the higher rank they are, the better, but I think, you can, you know, I, I I drill it down to the individual, you know, and what makes me want to puke, quite frankly, and it's not just South Carolina's fan base, everybody else, where three-star Kittle sign, you'll watch his film, uh, you know, somebody there doesn't know what the hell they're looking at, you know, uh, that, that's put a grade on him. Uh, you know, Felix Hickson comes to mind in South Carolina's class. Or the right school passed on him for whatever reason, you know. And schools with large talent bases in their own state, i.e. Georgia, they can't take everybody. So the decisions they make uh, are directly are directly impact their success. And that's why, 
you know, people freak out about stars or whatever. You know, if you're Georgia, you know, you sort of get the favorable treatment. You know, I've done recruiting a long time. Uh, very, very few times has the state of Georgia recruiting rankings not reflected uh, the Georgia recruiting board, at least initially. And then they don't move people down. And that's nothing against the guys in that state. I mean, that do the evaluation, uh, you know, it's a good guide to go off of, you know, you, 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 I think university of Georgia is probably going to try to identify the best players. Um, but there's too many of them to make that completely accurate. So, um, and it is a developmental game, uh, you know, just like man cannot live off of bread alone. College football programs cannot live off of four to five stars alone. They need to develop and all that. The, the, the difference is, there are certain programs like Ohio State and Alabama and then others like Notre Dame that get, you know, a little bit of preferential treatment, whereas the Iowa States of the world do not, you know. So that's that's the deal there. And thank you, Phil. I appreciate that. Justin, I got your question about turtle habitats. Uh, he said, what kind of turtle habitats do you have? I have a yellow belly slider. I had another turtle that, unfortunately ran away how does a turtle run away i don't know crawled away uh had him in a pool outside it kind of overflowed during a bad storm and it washed him away and he he went somewhere hopefully he found the the pond down the road and he's having fun um all right so my indoor is i I think it's like a 40 gallon uh I got it at a place uh, like a Home Depot place. And you could you could put it outside, bury it in the ground. It's the liner. But I got it sitting up on a marble table. I've got uh, a heat lamp in there for the winter, a filter and a fountain and a light and turtle rocks. Uh, I have to get my sunlight thing replaced because it got hot and the bulb broke. And I was freaking out. Uh, but that's inside. Uh, and we moved her back in, even though it's it's still warm. Uh, because we had a leak in the in the kiddie pool we were keeping her in, um, and so that's uh, that's that's and the kiddie pool's been the outdoor. Now I'm building an outdoor pond, uh, but it, it looks I'm not all that handy, folks. And uh, it looks a lot like Stonehenge now because I'm putting like a brick fence around it. But I'll I'll probably get that done before next summer. Um, you know, and and I you know I there there are like aquariums you can put them in and stuff. But uh, I, I wouldn't. I would recommend the more open thing. Uh, and I, I want to move on from that because I, you know, uh, people want to hear about the Gamecocks. And I got eight questions. Uh, if you just, if you have any more questions inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, I'll answer them. I'll just respond written. All right. So inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com is the email to get into the iHelp Consulting mailbox. Thank you, to iHelp Consulting. What's up, JC? Hudson says. Are you more excited to watch the offense or defense this year? Personally, I'm more excited to watch the defense. I think the unit as a whole is going to surprise people. But I really think the D-line has a chance to be top tier. There's nothing more fun than watching a D-line get after the quarterback. Looking forward to the start of a new era. Go Cox Hudson. I'm looking forward to both. Um, You know, with the offense, you know, we've been through this thing where – you know, Kurt Roper, great plan on paper, couldn't call the game. Brian McClendon could call the game better than Kurt Roper. And great plan on paper first year, went backwards second year, 
with some concepts and stuff. Uh, turns out he, you know, adjustments were tough in that one. You know, we had Mike Bobo's offense last year, wasn't the full offense. And, you know, he was forced, as I mentioned earlier, forced to go conservative because of personnel and, and sort of game plan. And then the defense helped them out none. Uh, yeah, I honestly believe Muschamp and Bobo were like, we're very limited at receiver. We're going to go try to win game 17 to 10, and then the defense falls apart. I mean, that's that's the classic sort of things that happen when you assume an under Will Muschamp at Florida and South Carolina. Uh, you know, so let's hope things have changed. Uh, but you hear about the plan. I like the plan. I liked what I saw in the spring game. It was very vanilla, but I want to get an idea of how Marcus Satterfield calls a game. Um, and I've watched the stuff at Temple where he was calling it. Uh, and, and the actual play calling, I didn't think was a problem. They, they weren't a very good offense, but this may not statistically be a very good offense um, this year. I mean, it may not. Uh, and, and I would encourage everyone who chirps play calling, play calling, play calling when the offense isn't good to understand there's a difference between production and play calling. Uh, but I want to see how it does. I'm curious about that. Very curious about Clayton White's defense. Uh, and with both of these guys, there's a wide spectrum of possibilities, in my opinion. You know, could, could it be a disaster? Could it be great, better than expected? Um, you know, neither is coordinated in a league like the SEC. Um, but sometimes the new guys that come in the SEC are better than the guys that have been 18 places because those guys are easier to figure out um you know so all right so yeah i'm not uh i I, i'm curious to see both and see how it works um just what are they going to look like Uh, i know conceptually what beamer was looking for was you know an offense that could create explosive plays put points on the board but that was versatile enough to be adaptable to different personnel and on defense, he was looking for a unique attacking style uh, to fit the Gamecocks recruiting base personnel, uh, sort of like Virginia Tech with Bud Foster, like a unique system, which Carolina normally, you know, I don't know that Ellis Johnson's system was unique, uh, except for the fact it was Ellis Johnson. It was a 4-2-5. But you look back through the years, Joe Lee Dunn, Charlie Strong, guys like that uh, have been creative and have had good defenses. So there you go. Thanks, Hudson. Hope you enjoyed the game. Noah says, hope all is well. Could you describe each of the Gamecocks running back style of play? Thanks for the best Gamecock pod out there. Noah. Uh, You know, Lloyd is a guy that's going to built low to the ground, extremely fast and explosive. He hurtled guys in high school. Hope he doesn't try to do that Saturday night. But he's going to run off and leave you. You've seen Kevin Harris, the balance. And the, the surprising thing about Kevin last year was the breakaway speed uh, that he showed in some games. Um, you know, and I think a better supporting cast will help him because in certain games last year, Texas A&M, Missouri, Georgia, they keyed on him and there was no answer. Uh, you know, McDowell, I've heard DeAnthony Thomas, they used to play at Oregon. Uh, Dexter McCluster was a good one. Um, that kind of deal. You know, South Carolina over the years has not had very many guys at running back like Juju. Uh, Rashad Amos reminds me a little bit of Derek Watson. I need to see him more in the open field, but he's a bigger 6'2", 220 guy. 
Uh, and there's a Quandre White's just sort of his own guy, you know, it's kind of, it's what you call kind of a slasher running back. Um, and he plays fired up. So I, I like the passion that he brings when he runs it. They all run passionately, but a passion uh, is a positive there. Uh, thank you so much, Noah. All right, Tristan said, first, I want to let you know there's a lot of podcasts out there and a few Gamecocks pods, and I listen to them all. Good. I want you to, even the ones that I personally think are awful. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to list those, but you can figure it out. I, I, I think the more people start listening to podcasts, the better for me. And I think that Gamecock broadcasting, like audio content in general, leaves a lot to be desired. You know, you're underserved by local markets everywhere in South Carolina, but Columbia and certainly everywhere else. So I appreciate it. And, and please listen to those other guys too. Go rate them five stars too, man. Uh, you know, because it helps everyone. It helps the the ecosystem. He said, but yours is by far the best. I can trust your info and value your opinions. Thanks for what you do. You're welcome, Tristan. I appreciate you. He said, what do you think it does to a player's confidence if they go bonkers against EIU, then fall flat against East Carolina? I would think it would leave them a little confused. How easy is that to repair, especially for the new players? And, you know, as a coach, I think you sit there and you prepare for the inevitable letdown. Um which is going to happen. I would be, I'll be stunned if South Carolina uh, goes undefeated. <laughs> you're at 15 and you're going to have a letdown. And, you know, so you, you always prepare for that. I think as a, lead, a leader of any organization, uh, and this is business, life, family, whatever, in the back of your mind, you're always pondering the what ifs. And how are you going to handle adversity? Um, and so there's a plan for that. Now, it's not going to be good if it's at East, if it's East Carolina. You know, you, you're just, you know, South Carolina should win that football game. Uh, I know it's scary. I know it's up there. I know the the Carolina sucks, and it's a ten year rebuild crowd is going to disagree. Uh, the crowd that lives in fear of Mike Houston because of his triple option win with an interim coach in Columbia with the Citadel. You know, they fear him, you know, and I think, I think he's a hell of a coach, but, you know, personnel wise, you know, there's nothing to fear about going to East Carolina turnover wise and mistake wise. There is, you know, so that's the thing there. So, but, you know, like I said, adversity is going to hit Shane Beamer's not dumb. Uh, he, he's probably got a plan for it. And what you do is you get back up, you flush it, you go out, you work hard and you understand there's a lot, there's, if you lose in East Carolina, there's uh, 11 more games. You block out the negativity, which inevitably will rear its ugly head. Uh, and you go to work and you correct mistakes. Because I think this, South Carolina will lose to East Carolina only if the Gamecocks make a ton of mistakes. Tristan, thanks for the kind words in the email. Got some more coming up here. And I'm running out of time because I'm going to go on JB and Goldwater. Uh, but I'm going to try to get them all. Try to get them on. I got 20 minutes. Uh, Seth says, hey, JC, other than Carolina this week or the team from the upstate, Clemson, uh, who are you most interested in watching this weekend? For me, it's Florida State and Notre Dame with all the transfers FSU brought in, a few of them former Gamecocks. Uh, Notre Dame with a new quarterback could make for an interesting game. I would not be surprised. Now, I've got some connections at FSU. 
they're thinking they have enough to get back to seven, eight wins this year. It's not going to surprise me if they beat Notre Dame. Now, maybe I'm undervaluing Notre Dame like I did Florida a couple of years ago or whatever. They've been on a roll, but it's not going to surprise me if the Knowles take it uh, on Sunday night. My girlfriend's not going to be happy. She's a Notre Dame fan. So, yeah, I may, uh, I may not be too happy if that happens. But uh, anyway, that's – um. That's my take. It's not going to be hard. Kier Thomas is starting, uh, and I'll, I'll transition in to Joseph's email. He's like, uh, JC, I was looking at some of the transfers that went to Florida State and Penn State. Uh, Jamie Robinson's the starting nickel, and Kier Thomas is the starting at Buck or defensive end. Fox is the position they call it. John Dixon, second-string corner for Penn State. Where did you think those players would have been if they stayed at South Carolina? Uh, judging from the way the depth chart ended up, I think they all three would have made probably started. You know, maybe they moved here to a different spot. Um, you know, but Robinson and Dixon, yeah, I think they both obviously are starting. Florida State thinks Jamie Robinson could be the best player on their entire team, so. There we go. Uh, also, how many initial counters would we get back if the NCAA passes some sort of transfer offset? Juco's would still count as regular initial counter, right? Tracking Brown, Jenkins, Green, Patel, Amarion Brown, Ross, and Williams, and does Zeb count? Zeb would count as a transfer. Um, I think it's going to depend on how many they lost, the Gamecocks lost. And they, if you include like Ryan Holinsky and Micaiah Scott, who left, a while back and the guys that uh you know robinson thomas dixon you know the 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 cap on it i've heard seven and so i think the gamecocks will get the max and you know it just kind of depends on what you can count uh if you if you lost seven in the portal and you count seven but you can only take them from the portal then the gamecocks are you know unless it's retroactive and the guys you mentioned you can count back you know you can uh which which wouldn't help, but uh, you know maybe if you you know th- then you're going to be able to go to the portal and sign seven guys. I expect Carolina. You know, there's a chance they could be portal heavy in the next class. There's a chance that it's not going to work out that way. I think wide receiver, you're going to see the Gamecocks maybe go after two or three guys in the offseason, unless something unexpected happens. Jeff says, or. Sorry, Tales from Willie B says. All right. And this is the last one. It's called Positive Thinking. So I heard JC speaking on being a positive fan. First, JC is one of the most fair media persons out there. Don't forget, JC, fan is short for fanatic, meaning typically fact-based reporting should not align with their way of thinking will always be considered naysaying or doom and gloom. I understand the difference between analysis and thoughts or opinions. This is where the disconnect typically occurs. Plus, there are a plethora of so-called fan sites, especially on YouTube, with some talking heads seeming knowledgeable. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of folks out there. There's I haven't listened to them all, but one or two. But hey, YouTube, everybody wants to be a YouTube star these days, right? People should understand all you need to be a YouTuber is a camera and an internet connection. 
beyond that, anyone can put up so-called analysis. It's my experience. Most of these channels exist mainly to benefit the creator, which is fine. Hey, go for it. They all seem to be pushing their merch, which, by the way, is unlicensed. So it doesn't do anything to benefit our cherished university or team. Yeah, I'm never going to blame somebody for making a dollar. Uh, I may make some T-shirts that say find a damn way on them that are garnet and white. Not put the Gamecock logo or anything on it. Uh, I, I would never do anything like put the spur or anything on anything. I, you know, that's even if it's an unofficial logo that they don't have to license. I, I'm just not comfortable doing that. But I could sell some merch at some point. The reason I mentioned this is it behooves these creators to get as many eyeballs as possible on their channel. The easy ways to achieve this is to put up titles and content that will rile you up. True or not, at least with JC and the crew, their shop is t- tied to the Fanatic site which only sells licensed products. Yeah, and we don't get a penny of that. That all goes to CBS, uh, the fanatic site. We get no revenue uh, on that, but it is licensed. And, and hey, you get some pretty good deals. I bought some shirts on there the other day. And the university does get a little with every purchase. I choose to support the creators that aren't trying to sell me a cheap tea or koozie. I may end up getting like some koozies to give out for free. Maybe have some contests or something. Um, You know, I apologize for the length. Tales from Willie B says, uh, I just think things we should all keep in mind. Get your Gamecock fix from sources that are reputable, like Sherbert and the gang at 24-7 Sports. And that's my humble analysis of the state of affairs out here in fan world. I agree. You know, I'm not going to sit here. and First of all, I don't think I have to defend myself against anything, you know, with reporting, whatever. Uh, you know, I do have to clarify myself sometimes because people – you know, that live in a black and white world, you know, refuse to look at nuance or meaning or specifics, uh, get confused. Uh, I can't tell you how many times people, people said that I said Colin Hill is going to play in the NFL. I would never project that. Okay. I never was. Uh, and I liked his film at Colorado state. He didn't play as well as he did at CSU at South Carolina. That's it. Uh, you know, what I said was, Factually, NFL scout people contacted South Carolina's person that's in charge of that and asked about it last year in the offseason. They asked. Um, and, you know, in the offseason, it was before the season started, and he was on the radar when he's at Colorado State. That's not something that's a state secret or a product of hype. And then Muschamp said in an NFL arm in a, in a, in a, in a um, press conference. What I said about Colin Hill, and it's the absolute truth, is he was the best uh, best quarterback for that job. I wrote a column at the beginning, how Hill started because he's better, and he was. And I know that is unfortunate for those of you that think Ryan Holinsky did some great job in 2019 going 4-8 because you love long passes or whatever or you admire his story. Uh, but I can tell you right now, internally, uh, that team, you know, and, and really externally, because uh, I talked to two people from around the SEC that said the Gamecocks should have been eight and four with any quarterback play at all. And this was 2019 when Holinsky took over. Um, nobody was sitting there all fired up about that. Uh, and then he was supposed to get better and didn't, and, you know, all that good stuff. Got beat out. Got beat out. And I hate it. Because Ryan Helensky, skill set wise, was 
a perfect fit for what Mike Bobo likes to do. So there's a reason Bobo didn't start it. Bobo, say what you want. You know, he went with the, the best guy. You know, and, and you, know, you get people that get these anecdotal things. Well, you know, what about that long pass he threw against Georgia? Great. Super. You know, I, I swear to God, there's some people that would rather Carolina go out there and chunk it down the field like a Big 12 team and play that style of football, which would be a disaster, by the way, uh, than, than to go out and actually win, you know, which would be ridiculous. Um, you know, so, so that's what I said there. Uh, you know, and, and look, I said some things about Jake Bentley at the beginning of his career that, uh, you know, probably – got a chance to be a first rounder and a three-year guy. And it started that way. And you know, then things didn't happen. So what? I am not the only person on earth that has an opinion about quarterbacks. that has been wrong. And I wasn't wrong about Hill. Best, best option, right? Best option. Never said all SEC reported factually about that. Um, you know, that happens. Look at, look at the Chicago bears who drafted Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Chicago Bears have a lot more resources than I do to scout guys. Um, And Jake, you know, wasn't bad. Up and down. A lot of guys are like that. A lot of quarterbacks are like that. So anyway, uh, and look, off on predictions, sometimes all that. People always remember when you're really good at what you do, because you're really good at what you do, they remember the times you were wrong uh, because they're more rare than the times you were right. And uh, that's fine. You know, I've gotten frustrated a little bit this week. I've been a little sn- snippy about it. But honestly, I think that's just because I'm ready for the season to start. Did This game week is always the slowest moving week of the first game. I mean, we're going to be sitting here uh, talking in three weeks, getting ready for the Kentucky game, and that time will fly by. And the, the time, really the last two weeks before the last week of, of preseason camp flew by. This week's not flying by. It's only Wednesday. And that means I got to go get JB and Goldwater. So I'll get to these other mailbag things tomorrow. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to iHelp Consulting. Thanks to Heritage Digital. Tomorrow on the Thursday episode, I will have my score prediction for the game. Going to do that on Thursdays. Got a sponsor for that segment. Fired up about that. Uh, and then we'll have a Friday wrap-up episode. Um, got a pregame show with JB and Goldwater. We're launching Friday. Uh, lots of exciting stuff. want to tell you this. Go subscribe to the Big Spur YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash the Big Spur. Some good Gamecock content there now, but there's going to be a lot more integration video wise there and i don't think you're going to want to miss that so go hit subscribe it's free just like subscribing to the podcast thank you so much folks i'm really excited about this week i hope you all have a wonderful wednesday holler at you soon uh and that's that